Hey guys, it is 12, yes. 12 15 though, which means it is time to remind everybody that Colleague Racing is the official sponsor of the lunch hour of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Colleague Racing, the official NASCAR team of Northeast Ohio. The Guardians had a wild game last night. Unfortunately, it did not end in the fashion that Guardians fans would have liked. Bull, do you want to start with Zanino, Karen Check, or, or where do you want to start with the Guardians? I hope he go Robin Goodwood. You think he's supposed to go? <laughs> Your boy Karen Check, bro. Well, he hot and cold, man. Um, oh, he hot and cold. Uh, we'll get to Zanino. Uh, Karen, well, listen, uh, even on, I, I don't trust Karen Check. I don't write off guys one week into the season. I don't believe do in that. that. I don't believe in that in any, well, in football maybe, but even in football, I don't really do that. But um, he's been shaky in three of his four appearances so far. And, he, you know, the Classe needed the day off after blowing the save the day before. And so they went to him in the ninth and in a 3-3 game, and he, and he gives up the run there. Good job by Tony Kemp. He had a really good at bat after kind of costing them early in the game. Uh, I, I don't want to kill him, though. It wasn't like he was that terrible. He, listen, guys should go, go through up, ups and downs as pitching, but uh, he, he's dealing with some mental hurdles struggling with these new rules. Mm -hmm. And, we've and, and you know, he seems to be kind of a guy who, who can get – off kilter G very easily, he, and you can't be that as a relief pitcher. He, no matter how good stuff you, you think, have, do you do you think he ever cheated before? Because I, it was a guy I talked to about Karen Check like yeah. a couple years ago, and they said that when he used to rub his hair, yeah. <laughs> he'd be getting that stuff. Uh, who me. knows? I hate the guy accuse the guy of cheating when I don't know. It was fishy that he was always doing <laughs> that, and then as soon as they changed the rules, he sucked the year after that. However. He bounced back last year, and he pitched really great mm -hmm. when he came up. So here's 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 the crazy part about it. You, what scares me is, I get scared by any pitcher that does not have overpowering something. Yeah, like if you can't blow it past me, or if your curveball really ain't breaking off the dropping off the table like that. When I see Karen check, it's like you remember when John Rocker lost his fastball. And then he started throwing th like 92 and yeah. people was like, we don't care how much energy bring to the table to the yeah. mound. For me, I just look at Karen Shake, and one thing I learned about watching last year in, in the playoffs was the fact that you automatically know in the playoffs if you trust somebody or not. 100%. It's in your stomach. You're like, oh, Lord, yeah. here, here, here this guy comes. <laughs> I, I don't get the same feeling when I see Stefan. Um, and, and my thing is, too, I, I, I'd rather see Heron. I'm trying to see the young phenom. Like, like if you, uh, wh where you at? Like, at the end of the day, I'm I'm going with that because he got some dominant stuff, and, and Karen Check just seems to be like, I've never really seen a pitcher to, to be that demonstrative that still was under control. So you moved off of him. You, you, you're not on the Karen Check. No, I, actually, to be truthful, I, I felt so badly about it. I, I think that the, the Guardians, as I look at their pitching, right, the hitting has been great. Your yeah. boy Miles Straw is out here raking the ball. They're, bull. they're hitting Kate, very well. They are hitting Kate, really well. Zanino? I, I'm, that, if they would do, if they continue to do this, he, he's, bull's wrong. They blew he, he batting, he the He batting 300. <laughs> look, listen, he got a, he hit, I think he hit safely in, in pretty much every single game. Which, uh, Ramirez is hitting the ball well. Everybody but, is except about, for uh, uh, Josh Bell is off to a slow oh start. Oh, my God. He's like, he'll be all right, but he's off to a slow I, start. I give him credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I What's my dude from last year? What's his name? Uh, the big hitter that got sent to the Columbus. Oscar Gonzalez. No, not Oscar Gonzalez. Baylor. Will Brennan. 
No, he got sent to the Columbus crew, and I said, I'm going to go see him. And then he got Columbus cut. Oh, Fran Mill Ray. Fran Mill Ray. Fran Mill Ray. He's playing for the Royals this year. <laughs> Is he really? Yeah. In fact, he had a home run yesterday. For so, real? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> now, now, the thought, I, I think they The one thing I'll say about Karachek is, here's the thing right now. His curveball is, is good, but his fastball is not, he's not throwing as hard, and guys are, even Tony Kemp, who got the game-winning hit, hit I, was, I heard his comments after the game, and he said, he's like, Karachek's soft uh, curveball is nasty. I, wasn't, I was looking for the first fastball he threw me, and I was going to attack it. And that's how guys are attacking him right now. They are looking for the fastball. He he's over-relying on it. It's not crisp right now. He better put it and in And that's the why he's getting hit. He he's got to turn it around. Spot. But he has been a guy in his Guardians career who he's like this, as you said. I mean, his yeah. when he's when he's on, he's nasty. Because he just did it against the Mariners. And he gets a ton of strikeouts. He led, I believe he led the majors in strikeouts per nine innings last year. Like, But when he's off, yeah. He's a disaster. I, he got to find some consistency, and I think that's we just it's growing pains. He's he getting adjusted to the new rules. He's he showed you a good game. He showed you some bad games. We need to find out who he is. I'm not ready to give up on him. No, just I yet. Like, never give up on would, a guy yeah, this quickly. Yeah, it's way too early for that. I can't. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it. Knee jerk in April. They ain't even played a home game. But I will have a wish list. <laughs> yeah. Like, listen, I'm trying to see. Listen, I've been in the time machine. When can I, now this might be a stretch. We might not see Gavin Williams. We're not going. We're not going to get to him this year, maybe. But I need to see Bobby. I need to see Bobby though. Yeah. Like be, because Bobby, matter as as a matter of fact, he's throwing harder than he was throwing last year. Yeah. Velocity is up, and on top of that, he got he got a uh, crazy command. So if it's me by the end of the year, if I could get Bobby up here, um, I want to see more Heron. Uh, but for me, I think that if you want to, you Tito has to look at Karen check and say, look, man, I, I'm a rock with you the first part of the season. Yeah. But as things go a little bit longer, I don't know. And yeah. by the way, Arias, you know, hit a hit a bomb you yesterday. I like that power for middle hit middle infield. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna get his at bats. Will Brennan's getting his chance. He's playing well again. Really, everybody except for Bell, I think. Is there anybody else not off to a good start? No, and actually, I was going through the lineup yesterday. Right now, and I'm going to just give you the batting averages of this team. I know it's super early. It's not a good indication, but it is silly how well this team's putting the ball in contact, getting hit. <coughs> Jimenez is batting 333. Miles Straw, 333. Quan, 308. Ramirez, 308. Zanino, 294. Naylor, 286. Brennan, 250. Arias, 222. Rosario struggled a bit. He's only at 214. Oh, yeah. And then we got Josh Bell at 0. So it's really only nine. the guys who are playing pretty much every day. It's Rosario. Oscar Gonzalez off to a slow start, but most of the guys are hot right now. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think we're all happy with the lineup. Listen, you hate to waste a game against the A's. We're really. Yeah, in the long run, are going to be really bad. Yeah. Uh, but still, four and two. Hopefully, you, you take what they're playing. What, what a four today, Mikey. What are they playing a four the today? Guardians, I believe four or five. Finally, uh, uh, yeah. And then you know, and then the home opener on Friday. Three thirty-seven first pitch. Excuse me. It's supposed to be cool but sunny on Friday for the home and, opener. And at the, at the end of the day, it's about winning winning series, right? Yeah. yeah. Three, I mean, they're going to win one. And when you when you look actually before last game. They were leading the American League in runs, in like in runs, yeah. like, like so. It wasn't like, and you know, I'm critical of them when I talk about the sticks. 
But it's not like you look at the Yankees. The Yankees ain't really been doing too much when it comes to putting, you know, getting no. runners in score position. But I will say the only person that's struggling is Josh Bell. I think he like one for 19 or one for 20. Yeah. Um, if once he, he once he catch his rhythm and he start putting yeah. that bat on the ball. Yeah, he, he's he, a streaky player. Yeah. He's a streak player. He'll get hot hit a bunch of home runs in a week. Uh, maybe he's going to use all those bats as once. We'll see. That'd be fun. <laughs> he looks like Sonic and Tails. <laughs> <laughs> he really does. Uh, one thing, though, and Mike, you mentioned it before. Mike Zanino's been terrible at blocking pitches. In Man. The That's been, I, you know what? He Man. had a reputation as a really good defensive catcher. He's great at what's called pitch framing, which is the ability to get a called strike on a borderline pitch that other catchers might have called the ball. It's very important. He's good at throwing out runners, but his his Achilles heel, if you will, is putting uh, stopping the ball in the dirt. I didn't, I didn't tell seven, you. Now, seven pass balls. Is that accurate? So, this MLB.com yep. has yep. the pass ball stat. It updates every week. So, this is when I went back and I counted game by game. I counted That's seven. That's not wild pitches and pass balls combined. It's just pass balls. That might be wild pitches, pass balls combined. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine a seven pass. I, I know he's had a bunch of Well, yesterday, the one with Bieber was considered a wild pitch yesterday, yeah, even on the now, strikeout. So that's – it's a wonky, when like, it, how When it's you... a wild pitch, that means essentially the error is on the pitcher. When it's a pass ball, it's on the catcher. Right. But the thing is, though, there are plays that are wild pitches that the top – Catchers will stop and prevent the wild pitch. Yeah. He's been terrible at that. Like, part of the like game yesterday, <laughs> they th- look, I, I forget who was on the mind. They threw a breaking pitch. He even striking yeah. the game, was on striking the, the guy yeah. out. Yeah. He had his glove turned over. I'm like, take that to the chest and block that. I don't know what. Just throw the guy out. He's like, never been this bad. I'm it's like, it's pretty ugly right now. And I'm real like, quick on that, so pass balls, like you said, you can some are wild pitches, some are pass balls. It's up to the official scorekeeper to give it either way. Yeah. When he was in Seattle. And I did all the research on this. And it's tough to put it in a graphic because it's advanced analytics. It's it's hard to make the abbreviations work. But he graded very high at throwing out runners at second. He graded high at framing, top 10 percentile of catchers for his whole stay in yeah. Seattle. This is he was weakness. the first Mariners catcher to allow three pass balls in a single inning. Yeah, I mean that's one game. I don't want to. But I'm just saying away, it's not like it's not like he's so gone far. off the hill. It's never been a strength of his. No, it's it's it, he looks particularly bad. I've. You know, Mike Zanino has played with Seattle and Tampa, so it wasn't like I was watching him play every day. But watching him play every day here, so he's been bad at that. So let me ask you this: Yeah, him or Hedges? What you mean? I'm, I'm still taking what him. What you okay. mean, Zanino? Okay. Zanino? Okay. I just wanted to see. I just okay. wanted to check y'all temperature. I just wanted to check right y'all yeah. got power numbers. Because I, I, I was going to say, significantly <laughs> better hitter. Zanino's also better overall at throwing out runners, although Back. nobody's really throwing out any runners right now. Because the stolen bases are like 90% successful around the league right now. Uh, and and he's great at calling pitches. That's the only thing uh, that he's not good at. And it hurts. It could, mm. It's going to cost you. Yeah, I'm about to but say it I'm still, I mean, Austin Hedges should not be in the major leagues. If he, <laughs> wow. If he wanted, wow. He's hey. the worst hitter in base. He's already he's already on the injured list for uh, Pittsburgh. If you uh, – a, a catcher with power that can hit yeah. is so, like, valuable. Like, if you want to keep giving up pass balls as long yeah. as it ain't costing you no games, uh, but, I'll take the, I'll take yeah, the power. He's got to clean that up. And, w- and what we may see, and you, re- you don't see this very often at this position – like, a lot of times you'll see if you have a good hitting outfielder that's not good in defense, you'll see the good defensive outfielder come in in the eighth and ninth inning when the game, like if you're winning, they may start doing that with him. I don't know the advanced analytics on Mebris Valoria and Cam Gallagher, who are their backup catchers, but 
And, but my guess is those guys, especially Gallagher, has been a backup catcher in baseball for a while. You don't last as a backup catcher in baseball for a long time unless you're really good behind the plate. Fact. So I'm assuming they're both, and it's certainly Gallagher, good defensive players. I haven't seen them enough here, obviously. So we may see those guys consistently come in. Like you see, whenever Zunino's likely last at bat is, seventh or eighth inning, and then the next inning they bring those guys in. It's, it's not ideal, but he's 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 hurting them defensively right G, now. It's my fault that this happened. Why is that? Because I, t- I text the group chat about the A's true. looking <laughs> unathletic when they ran into each other and then boom, Zanino pulled his neck. <laughs> it's I, two I, times now. I just said so. I, 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 I called this you, show. You didn't put the old tiny one and jinxed it and I didn't jinx it. I will say this, man. Watching, you know, watching Quan is fun, bro. Oh, yeah. yeah because, yeah, yeah. like, the, the, the way he gets his back to the zone is crazy. Like, you know, when you talk, take a look at his hands, he's able to contort his hands. His, his wrist is so, I mean, his wrist is crazy. Like, he gets the balls, like, when, you, when, you, when he's hitting that normal batter's not getting to. I mean, he can hit the ball left field, right field. He can spray the ball the other way. Like, he does a great job of just controlling. And he don't swing and miss. Like, it's crazy, like, how he's able to get to some of this stuff. He yeah. just reminds me of Ichiro so much, and it's just funny. Yeah, I mean, he's not quite as good as Ichiro right, at this point. Maybe yeah, if he don't get it twisted. Hopefully, yeah. you know, one day. But he, but he has the same type of game. Good defensive player, good arm, good speed. Get on base. Gets on base, doesn't have much power. Ooh, I think Ichiro could have hit for more power, but he never he, – that wasn't his game. But – and if I'm the Guardians, I'm really working hard to lock him up because he's not a power hitter, so it's not going to cost you a ton of money. Non-power hitters generally don't get paid a ton of money. But he's just, he's a perfect leadoff hitter. He's an old yeah. school yeah. type of leadoff hitter. It reminds me a little, another guy reminds me of back in the day. I think you'll remember this name, G, uh, Brett Butler. Remember him? Brett Butler. Giants yes. and Dodgers. Yes. Yep. He's that, like, a bunch of singles, doubles, put the ball in play, run the bases Slap. well. He does everything well. His game is, except for power, he does every other aspect of the game at a very high level. Seems like a great teammate, smart guy. Uh, he's awesome. I, but in, I'm with and, you. And by the way, um, Rosario is struggling a little bit. Yeah. Um, he got off to a bad start last year, too. He'll be all right. Um, but listen, if you – the Guardians got so many middle in, in, uh, in middle infielders. Like, they, I'm looking at these names. They got Angel Martinez. These dudes ain't even getting off Brian the Brian Rocchio. The, 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 the Rocchio cat. Yeah. They're, they're, there's, there's so much they have to trade. And, and so, for me, if Arias is going to show that level of power – I'm cool. You move him right on over here, wherever the, whether it's Jimenez is going to be shorter or, or keep him at second. I, I would still, I like, I'm not I trading like Rosario because he's not going to bring you much back in a trade, and he's important to the team, but he's going to be gone after the year, and I think Arias is going to slide right in there. Yep. Go ahead, Mike. I say, I like it is 12:30, and as always, the lunch hour of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show is sponsored by Colleague Racing, the official NASCAR team of Northeast Ohio. We have Joe Marino from the Draft Network joining us in one sec, but before we bring on Joe. I want to remind everybody that if you're not already a member of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, now is the perfect time to join. For a buck ninety-nine a month, you get loyalty badges, custom emojis, and members-only community posts. For just four ninety-nine a month, that's less than sixty bucks a year. You get all those same starter tier perks, plus overtime videos, member shoutouts, and much more. Discount codes for merch. It is worth the price of admission. Today, we're talking about whether or not runner-up in national championships should be invited to the White House after Iowa and LSU had that bit of a debacle. And joining us now, Joe Marino, NFL draft expert. What's up, Joe? Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. Joe, any any truth to the rumor you're related to Dan? 
<laughs> you know, uh, I get that all the time. But uh, growing up in Western New York as a Bills fan in the '90s, uh, that last name Marino didn't uh, didn't suit me well. So no, I, not not no relationship to uh, to Dan. Up and coming battle rapper Don Marino. Actually, <laughs> I like him, to him as well. There it is. No, yeah, <laughs> no. Where, where in Western New York did you grow up? <laughs> he was about to Grand Island. Points. Yeah, Grand Island. There, just um, I guess north. West of Buffalo? Yeah, oh, that's the boonies, man. That is the way boonies. Joe, let me. Is, is, should <laughs> we, Joe, I thought he froze. <laughs> to say, look at that. I thought he froze. He's like, dog, these dudes playing around. Joe, let me ask you. Yeah. Say, I see the Bills stuff in the background. Let's just, let's <laughs> dive into this situation. You know, Anthony Richardson, we was arguing about this guy a little bit, too. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think Anthony Richardson is getting, uh, you know, the same effect when you when you look at uh, – Josh Allen. Uh, Josh Allen was either played at Wyoming, you know, had a really strong arm, not really accurate, needed some little, you know, polish to him. Um, Anthony Richardson, you know, is fast. He's big. He looks the part. I, I literally think off the strength of what Josh Allen has transformed into that Anthony Richardson didn't put himself in the top 15 because teams are going to say, look, if I could get one, something like that, yeah. I'll take I'll take Anthony Richardson. Um, what do what are your thoughts on him, or, or even a possibly a Will Levis? Because I think he's another guy who kind of fits in that mold of great talent, great structure, but do, doesn't have, I, I would say, the polish yet. Yeah, I think Josh Allen has helped prospects like Will Levis and, and Anthony Richardson, both guys that have all the dynamic physical skill that you could be looking for in terms of size, arm talent. They can run. These guys are really gifted, and you feel like they have all the traits necessary to be a franchise quarterback to be the reason why you win football games uh but uh, certainly rough around the red at the edges and, and anthony richardson coming into the nfl with less than 400 career passing attempts in college i mean he's really <laughs> under rep and needs a lot of work but i think a success story like a josh allen uh can warm up the idea of betting on those traits for some of these teams that you know, look, if you're in the AFC and you don't have a, a Mahomes or an Allen or a Burrow or a Herbert, you're, you're really in a tough spot. And um, I, I think that uh, the, the, the race to get these types of guys um, really does help their, you know, what, what Josh Allen's been able to do in a success story there with a the raw quarterback coming out of Wyoming. Joe, I don't understand why Hendon Hooker don't get a lot of praise. I mean, this is a guy who I think he threw for 40-plus touchdowns. He only had a couple of interceptions on the season. He ran that air raid. Why is it? Is it strictly because of his age that, that teams are scared off of him? What is it? Because to me, I think he's literally the third best quarterback yeah. in the draft. I enjoy watching Hendon Hooker. He's got really quiet feet, really smooth mechanics. His, you know, good size, athleticism, arm talent. There's a lot to like there. But I think there's three pretty challenging layers to the evaluation there that makes him difficult. I think you mentioned it, it's the age. He's 25 years old, and he just tore his ACL, right? A late-season ACL tear that's a 9- to 12-month recovery. So now you're looking at a situation where he's probably redshirting as a rookie, and you're not really going to see him take the field until he's 26 years old. On top of that, he does come from that Josh Heupel air raid spread tempo offense. It's a very extreme version of that. I mean, the spacing and tempo of that offense is not like anything we see in the NFL. And so there's a big curve and a big, you know, way that he's going to have to translate his game to, to fit into what the NFL is going to ask him to do is it's pretty steep. And so I think when you when you layer all that together, the age, the injury and the adjustment, you know, you can see why maybe there's not quite as much 
uh, draft value there as maybe the the season he had this past year at Tennessee obviously did some really special stuff. Joe, let's get to the Browns here. I'm curious uh, your take on this because we look at the Browns, we see that linebacker is still the biggest position of need. They don't have any two picks in the first two rounds, but they have two third rounders, two fourth rounders, and two fifth rounders. So I guess my question is, if the, is there a linebacker you could see being available, maybe even in the middle or late second round where the Browns could package a few of those third, fourth, fifth round picks, maybe a pick next year, whatever. Is there a guy you think that could be worth trading up for in mid-second round-ish at, that, could, that you think could start right away as a linebacker in the NFL? You know, I, I think there's a lot of teams that are looking for a true starting Mike, like starting inside linebacker. Cleveland's certainly on that list. Pittsburgh, Buffalo, the Giants. There's a lot of teams out there that need uh, that that starting Mike linebacker. And I don't feel like this draft really has a, a great supply of them. There's two guys that I would feel comfortable saying I think will be good NFL starting Mike linebackers. It's Jack Campbell from Iowa. It's Drew Sanders from Arkansas. And I, I think the need, right, the need that exists out there, we just went through a bunch of teams that need a, a starting Mike linebacker, and the scarcity of what's available really makes this difficult. And so um, if one of those guys were to get to the middle of the second round, I think that's when you have to start having that conversation so that you can you can fix that hole. And, and I think either one of those two players would make sense to move up to get. However, I still think Cleveland has needs at defensive tackle, edge, maybe wide receiver, maybe another running back. And so you have to foil that against the opportunity cost because if you part with the assets that you have to go get this linebacker, you're still not going to be able to find you know key pieces at other spots. So there's a lot to consider there. I know that there's some familiarity with you know Anthony Walker and, and Sione Takitaki, Jacob Phillips, JOK. There's a lot of players there, but you know not that true downhill Mike linebacker for the middle of Jim Schwartz's defense. So it's a big need. I'm just afraid that there's not a whole lot of options, and certainly where the Browns are picking makes it even more difficult to uh, to land on a guy. Joe, our next question comes from the uh, YouTube chat. Whenever we ask a chat, uh, question from the chat, it's brought to us by PCC Airfoils. If you're looking for a job with career advancement and great benefits, PCC Airfoils is a leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio. All locations of PCC in Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe, and Minerva are hiring for all positions starting at $18 and up, plus full benefit packages, paid time off, and a signing bonus. You can apply at precast.com slash careers to learn more. I scoured the web this morning, Joe, for mock drafts that go at least three rounds and found five different guys – Mock to the Browns at number 74. Granted, it's impossible to mock three rounds out. You don't know what's going to happen. But of these five guys, Steve, you can take the graphic full. Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver from SMU. Brandon Joseph, the safety from Notre Dame. Tajay Spears, the running back from Tulane. Antonio Johnson, the safety from Texas A&M. And Devon A-Chain from A&M as well, the running back. Of those five guys, who would you like most for the Browns at number 74 if they're available? Man, I wish I had some different options here because th there's not a whole lot that moves the needle for me. I mean, these are a bunch of little people. I, I want to see some D linemen here for, for the Browns. I want to see a linebacker. Um, but I, I guess, man, this is tough. I, I'm pretty satisfied with what they have going on at safety. So these options don't really appeal to me. I, yeah, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand these, these picks at all. These are not my mock drafts. Yeah. This is what the internet's no, telling me. Surely you would never do that. Um, I, I feel like the player there that provides a dynamic – to this team that maybe uh, is interesting to me is, is Devin a chain or Tajay Spears um, where you can get a real speed compliment to go with uh, Nick Chubb, obviously Jerome Ford, right? The, the RB two right now, you're looking for potentially an upgrade there. You want to make sure that Nick Chubb is fresh and compliment him. And so I feel like the most meaningful thing that they could do is find that compliment. And um, I could be convinced that Spears or a chain would make sense of these options, but 
Uh, I don't know that much of this really moves the needle for me. There's two guys on Tennessee. We talked about Hendon Hooker. There's another guy, uh, the edge rusher Young and Jalen Hyatt at wide receiver. I, I think they're, you know, I, I fell in love with Jalen Hyatt just running past people. Like, yeah. it's, it's just mesmerizing. He's just walking. He, he's wide open. I don't know what route he ran, but he yeah. opened. Uh, and then Young is another guy who is a little older, um, you know, as an edge rusher. Um, what are your thoughts on two of those guys and, and where they could fall? Yeah, I, I love both of those players. I think those are really good Browns-type players for, for what I think they need. You start with Byron Young, the edge rusher from Tennessee. Really cool story where he was working in retail and, and winds up just putting out some videos for him and, and uh, playing at, at smaller levels, right, uh, at, at community college level. And the next thing you know, he's getting offers from all these Power 5 schools. He goes to Tennessee and really strings together a couple of nice seasons. And there's a lot of burst and bend and flexibility and, and a lot of variety with the way that he can beat blocks. And so had a chance to meet him at the Senior Bowl. I'm a big fan of who he is as a person. I think he'd be a great day two pick for the Cleveland Browns to add to what they have, of course, with Miles Garrett, a player that I'm very excited about them adding in Agbo Akaronkwo. I think you still need more at edge, and I think Byron Young would be a great way to add to it. You mentioned Jalen Hyatt. I mean, um, I think that he'd really fit well uh, because I think what the comparisons are for him a lot are, are Will Fuller, a guy that we've seen Deshaun Watson have a lot of success throwing the football to. And, you know, Jalen Hyatt, you mentioned he gets open a ton deep. I mean, that's that spread offense that we're talking about where the splits are just insanely wide. The spacing is insane. And that speed with that much stress uh, uh, in terms of the spacing that Tennessee puts on college defenses, these guys are all wide open all the time. And I think Jalen Hyatt proved that, you know, he's got that ability to get behind secondaries. Uh, he's got really good ball skills and hands. A little bit of a slender build, but you're getting this guy for that that speed dynamic, and that's obviously going to really impact the spacing of the field when you got a guy that can lift the roof uh, of a defense, and that's going to open up things for a great route runner like Amari Cooper and, of course, David Njoku, Elijah Moore, a player I'm really excited about to see in Cleveland. So I think he's one of those math-changing type players where if you put him on the field, he commands respect, and I think that's going to open a lot for, for whatever team he he uh, heads to, but obviously envisioning him with Cleveland, that's pretty exciting to me. Well, well just a really quick follow-up. I, I, I don't I don't foresee him being there in the third round. Uh, he's a guy I think somebody would draft in the second round or possibly overdraft uh, him because of that right opportunity. Where do you guys, where do you have him kind of mocked to go? Yeah, I think he's if he's going to go in the first round, I think the Chargers are kind of that team that needs that type of a skill set to to improve their offensive spacing. But yeah, I think right there from the early 20s up till around pick 50, I think is the strike zone for a guy like Jalen Hyatt. You know, the NFL always loves speed, right? You can't teach it. And Jalen Hyatt certainly provides that and big playability. So I think he'll probably go in that range. All right, let me talk to you about these DBs because I'm a former DB myself. Uh, it's the four corners, obviously. Um, I think it's Witherspoon, Devin Witherspoon, Gonzalez from Oregon, um, Banks, and Joey Porter Jr. Out of those four, who is your top guy? And then, obviously, they break these positions down separately now. Give me a, a slot corner because right now it's some riffraff in the Browns secondary of who's going to play nickel. So just the guy who you think could be there maybe in the third round that the Browns could potentially think about drafting for the play uh, nickel. I think my guy here is Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon in terms of my CB1, 32-inch arms, really dynamic athlete. Uh, loved how he transitioned from Colorado to Oregon and really elevated his game. He showed ball skills in a big-time way. 
this past year at Oregon. And so I think when you see young players like a Sauce Gardner and a Tariq Woolen last year and what they did in the NFL, and you kind of you, you have some physical characteristics that are pretty similar, I get really interested in in a Christian Gonzalez type player. Now, when you mentioned that slot position and, and looking for one of those guys in the middle rounds, I got to point you to Travius Tomlinson Hodges or Hodges Tomlinson out of TCU. I mean, he he's a dog, right? He's not going to check the boxes in terms of size, but watch him play, man. He's sticky in coverage. He's willing to be physical and play off contact. And, you know, you play in the slot, you're a little closer to the, to the action there. You got to have some run fits and be able to blitz a little bit. And I certainly think he can provide those dynamics, you know, if Cleveland's not kind of satisfied with what they have in house and, you know, certainly some, some versatility with their corners, but finding the right mix, I understand. And so if I'm looking for that mid-round slot, I'm, I'm looking at uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson from TCU. Joe, how long have you been uh, doing scouting? Well, I, I started back last oh. I was going somewhere with that. That was a two-parter. Hold on. Give Joe one second to pop back in here. Mikey jinxed it. Yep. Mm. That's exactly what happened. It was Earl. <laughs> the ghost of Earl Steve, again. The ghost of Earl. Hold on. Uh, you guys take it up. I'm going to work with Joe to get this All back right. up real quick. Guys, I, I don't, do want to get there one second. You know, Joe mentioned the Browns have a lot of things they want. Listen, I, I don't think – like, I would love to see the Browns take another wide receiver somewhere in this draft. And if they want to take another running back, that's fine. But I don't think either of those things at this point – He's a linebacker. I mean, linebacker is definitely the biggest need. Now, you don't want to force it if there's not a guy you don't – like mm. or trust. No, but, I like Jack Campbell. Obviously, he yeah. was at Iowa, and I got to watch him go against the Buckeyes. And you he think made, he's like a starter, definite starter, good player in the NFL? Yeah, the only thing with him is oh, that messed me up a little bit. The only <laughs> thing with him is that, like, I, it's it's his um, his lateral movement and his speed is the two concerns. Because I watched, <laughs> I literally watched his uh, highlight tape like two days ago. Yeah. Because you know, everybody been talking about Jack Campbell linked to the Browns in the third round. So I was like, let me look at this guy. Yeah. And I remember watching him against the Browns. He does well in run fits and stuff like that. But I think if he goes up against, like say if he goes up against uh, Kansas City and he has to be in pass coverage. A oh, little no. bit concerns me a little oh, bit no. there with the speed. I if mean, he go can up, anybody stay with Travis Kelsey? Are there no, any linebackers? No, no, he wouldn't yeah. be. I'm talking about running backs. Oh, He'd I be see. checking running backs. Yeah. Middle linebacker ain't checking no yeah, tight that's true. That, right, that, that's, yeah. <laughs> You asking to get 50 put <laughs> yeah. on you. Um, but I was talking about as far as that. And yeah. then if he goes up against one of those speed backs, I, it, sometimes I just don't know about the angle. Now, I will say he does have great awareness. Uh, he has, he's situational football is Instincts great. Are good. And he does really well in pass coverage, like as far as like getting to his zone and dropping. It was against the, the freaking Buckeyes. Yeah. He, he read play action, took his steps up, got back into coverage, got his eyes on the quarterback and picked C.J. Stroud off. Yeah. So it was it was perfect. So what he made what he doesn't have in speed, he makes up for an instinct. Yes, I mean, I feel like for a linebacker, the instincts, because you can't teach the instincts. No, you can't. Like, you cannot. DeQuell's talked about this all the time. JOK just doesn't have the instincts mm-hmm. as a linebacker. Yeah. So I'd rather have a guy who's less, less athletic. He reminds me of instinctual. Uh, Joe Sherbert. Sherbert. Yeah. Sherbert. However you say it. You, you know, you Sherbert's got a solid player. Yeah, not great, that's what I'm saying. But, yeah. he ain't a, he's yeah. solid. He's productive, but, yeah. you know. You got guys coming. Jacob Phillips, um, Torn Peck. Um, you know, you know, uh, Taki Taki come off injury. Taki Taki with his ACL, ACL. Anthony Walker, uh, Anthony Walker Walker tore his quad. Um, you know, JOK has been injured with a lot of different. Every linebacker on the roster has been hurt. So, like, my my thing is, I I mean, are you are you who's the guy that brought in last year from Alabama off the street? 
DeAndre. Oh, Ra- Reggie Ragland. Oh, Reggie Ragland actually yeah, played yeah. pretty decent. So I, maybe they like Reggie Ragland, but I, I mean, Anthony well, I Fields. On, is he on the roster right now, Reggie Ragland? I don't like, think so. I don't Deion think so. Jones Deion is Jones not, is not on the roster. Free agent right now. Uh, Reggie, uh, and then you got Anthony Fields. He was hurt last year. I forgot about that guy. Yeah, so, like, you got all these guys who, like, and, and here's the thing about injuries. You don't get better while you injured. No. All you doing is coming in back to get base level. You just trying to like I remember when you can become smarter. Like you take that yeah. time to study like Anthony Walker's he did something interesting. He's been spending time with the offense. So he's like been sitting in offensive meetings trying to learn their philo- their philosophy and what they're doing on offense to make him a better linebacker, which is smart by him. But at the end of the day, all you got to do is watch film and understand preparation. You get certain formations, it tells you the story. You find out what that offensive coordinator likes to do. You figure out what situation it is because that's all football is, it's situational football. On, on tape, they've already shown you against your scheme on second and seven. These is the plays that they typically run on second and seven. You remember those plays. You call. You look at the formation. You see what they're doing, and boom, you got a great idea of what's coming. The great thing, and about- I just broke down football for y'all right there. <laughs> but you all, but you also said earlier, it's all about lateral mobility. As it well. is. So if you, Anthony Walker, used to playing at a certain speed, mm-hmm. right? If he come back and he's not able to play at that certain speed, right now, yeah, I know where the play is, but can you get there? And I think he's athletic enough that I don't think he should lose too much. But the problem is when you when you just trying to get back to all right, am am I able to play without you know what I'm saying taking a day off? Think about it. You implement a brand new defense, right? And all of your linebackers were at some point ended up injured for yeah. the rest of the year. And it's not like they were that good to begin with. And it was like you yeah. was you were struggling anyway. Yeah. So now when you go to when you go to practice in camp, you you automatically know they don't they're gonna be on the side half the half the time. Yeah. They're not gonna be they're not gonna be chilling and being in, being playing every single day. So the 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 I, I guess the tough part is implementing do defense. You're going to have guys on limited reps because they're not going to play every single day. Yeah. And you're going to have to try to keep them healthy to get to a point where you can make it to the season. So that sets you up for a, a little bit of, oh, well, we, we didn't practice together. We need cohesiveness. We had a couple bucks here and there because guys is moving. I, I, we ain't got no time for that this year. We, I need my guys to be available. So give me a linebacker that could play and show up to practice every single day and, and yeah. get reps. Well, I mean, that's a position where you, I mean, it's good. You're going to be, there's no more veterans to sign. I mean, any veterans in free agency at linebacker are bottom of the barrel guys at yeah. this point. So you're relying on the guys you have now, which are not particularly good. And you probably add a rookie, maybe two. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted two, two linebackers, but they haven't had a lot of luck drafting linebackers. They haven't done really well, well with that. The thing is, it's going to come down to they have to use the strength. The strength is that their D line should be significantly better, and their secondary was always a strength. Those linebackers, Jim Schwartz is going to run three and one a lot. Like that's just explain that for the so folks cover who cover three is three deep. You got a post safety, the corner and both corners has got a third of the field. The post safety got the third, and yeah. you got your linebackers either playing a buzz or a hook drop. And you got your other safety, either he's a buzz or a hooker, depending on what the scheme is. And then cover one is you got one post safety, everybody else is in man across the board. So the reason that they do that is because it's the same shell. So if a quarterback comes out and he sees one high, he doesn't know if you're in three or one, but he assumes that you're in three or one. He won't know until, unless he motion 
somebody and somebody goes with him, he'll know, okay, it's ma'am. Nobody goes and they just bump, it's three. That's a way to know, or he'll know post snap looking at the post or looking at the safe, the down safety. Anyways, when the meaning I bring that, the reason I bring that up is because these guys have to be good in coverage. If, if we're going to stop the run, if Jim Schwartz going to come in here and they're going to get these D tackles to plug up the run, these guys got to be good in dropping in coverage. And it's hard to take those drops. Like coming off of injuries like that, I just talked about how Jack Campbell, he read play action, then got back. Right. If you coming off of a leg injury and they run play action, you bit, the, you bit it, Done, it's man. hard for you yeah. to put that foot in the ground, especially if the knee is not all the way where it needs to be. Turn around and try to get sprint 12 yards back to get to your hook drop to stop the dig or something coming across. So I think that's why you need to at least have some healthy bodies in there. But ultimately, it's going to come down to that pass rush. They're going to have to, they're going to, have to cover up for these linebackers if they get big and, play. And, action. like, they, I mean, JOK, to me, he's like a blitzing back. He, like he, he is a – listen, he, I, can, I will I continue put, to stand uh, on the fact that JOK is a Sam linebacker, yeah, meaning that he is not, not in the box. At, he is outside of the box where the quote-unquote nickel would be. So, if they run base defense, he needs to be at Sam where he's to the field because he's athletic enough to cover up the field. If they throw to the field flats, he's athletic enough to get there. If they throw a seven route and he's a buzzer, he's able to flip his hips and get underneath that seven cut. And his best asset to me is blitzing, which comes a lot from the Sam. But does he have the instinct to read it quick enough? If he reads past, that's his responsibility. If, if, and you and and if you're a defender in coverage, you always defend they, high to low. They got him out here in the wheel. They keep putting him in the box, and, and I'm like, I'm like, he <laughs> got here getting absorbed. Well, hopefully Jim Schwartz <laughs> like that. That we'll box that thing, up. you gotta, Man. you gotta. Are you confident that Schwartz is gonna put him in a better position? I hope. Uh, yeah, I it's hope his so. job too. Yeah. Like it's because you can't. It, it's I, I'm not with the quail or the quail is just completely. <laughs> See, that's what happens. You play two at two of a high good. When you play a good at a high enough level, you be trying to get everybody up out of here. The quail you like you ain't good. The quail like we just need to cut them. I'm not saying cut them. I'm saying put them in a better position to succeed. We tried to experiment him in the box. It's not for him. You have to have great instincts. You got to have good lateral quickness, and ultimately you got to be able to get off blocks, which he struggled with do. all yeah, three yeah. of those. He's so, not as big as Tyvis. That's what I'm saying. So we got to we got to put this man in position <laughs> to win, and that's put him outside. So if he's outside and he's at the Sam, and the run comes to him, his responsibility is to turn it back. He's yeah. all he has well, to do is leverage the defense. I would think with um, Anthony Walker being back that he would be anyway, right? I mean, no, because he was playing wheel with Anthony Walker. Yeah, Anthony was playing him. Mike and, and, and JOK was so. playing with and, and Taki Taki was, was playing, playing Sam, Sam. Yeah. and I said that I don't think that's right. Well, can Taki Taki he played Mike and he had this best part of his season true. was at Mike. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. <laughs> Mikey, what's up? <laughs> so we're still streaming fine. Everything's going out perfect. Yeah. I'm just going to give everyone an update. Let we them know what's Joe. going on. Uh, yeah, we've lost all internet down here. Now the stream is unaffected because it goes hardwired up to the elemental. The elemental sent it to YouTube. But I did not we have say no internet. We can't play videos. We can't change supers. That's fine. We only got seven the, minutes uh, left. The so. mix comes in. Our calls come in through Let's Wi-Fi. Go. Technical difficulties two days in a row. Let's straighten this out. I, Let's pull it and together, very yeah. different. I don't know what it is. Yeah. So we got seven minutes real quick. We're gonna do some final takes. Wrap up with all some right. final takes. Tell here. us about Callig Racing first. And Callig Racing is the official sponsor of the twelve o'clock hour of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Also, the official NASCAR team of Northeast Ohio. I say there's no internet because I believe it should not affect the overtime stream, but that does go directly to YouTube from here, unlike uh, a regular show, which goes to the Elemental. So 
Should be overtime. We're going to try to do overtime. But if there's not, it is strictly because IT is down here Steve, trying to figure out. Are we sure we're still on, on the air? Because Steve just texted what's going on. Yeah, we're, we're on. We're still on. Okay, we're on. good. So, All right, we'll, we'll, then we'll get the final takes. Tyvis? Uh, my final take for the day is. Uh, Wait, Tyvis, you know what we got to do? Steve, roll. Oh, we can't roll it. Tyvis, <laughs> I'm sorry, we can't it. roll it. Yeah. There's no way I got a final take there. My final, my final take for the day is, um, I, you know, I'm dealt, I'm being dealt with a, a decision, and I've let everybody here know about these decisions, this life-altering decision that I have to make. Um, and to me, you know, when you when you get dealt, when life deals you cards like this and it's unexpected, you know, the best thing to do is to to think about. You know why you do what you do. You know what do you what do you in life to do? You know, and that's and to me, I'm 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 at the, I'm at the crossroad right now because it's really tough. You know, and and you know, good thing that the the moral of this story is to always have good people in your corner that you can go talk to. And you know, I got a lot of OGs, you know, in my corner, you know, giving me advice about this thing, and. I'm really leaning towards a certain way now, and I really appreciate you know these OGs for looking out toward, looking out for me. So the moral of this, the, my final take is to make sure you find somebody that you can you can bounce ideas off of, so you don't go through this life alone. And obviously, you know, older people got more experience in certain things, so it's always nice to talk to them about certain things. Good take, dope, dope. I'm 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 gonna try to save this uh, the, the, for the bulk of the situation because. We'll probably talk about it a little bit. You know, there was a whole big, you know, uproar when it came to uh, the women's championship, right? Hmm. And it was just, it was so crazy. Internet went crazy or whatever. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say most of the bulk, what I got to say um, when Brad is here, and we'll kind of get into it since I wasn't here to kind of comment on it. But I, I just want to strip it down to its lowest common denominator. You know, nowadays, you know, there's so many different people, and this is the problem with sports, man. It's that it's the fact that people infiltrate sports and don't understand the culture of sports, and, and people infiltrate it and get in, and they try to turn it into something that has never really been. At the heart of sports, is all about competitive nature. It's all about you versus me, and who gonna get it done. You know, the greatest thing about sports is because people playing in between those white lines, they can control the narrative, right? I can always get better. I can beat you. You can beat me. I can come back and get better. But the fact that so many people outside that have never dribbled a basketball, never thrown a football, never stood on, in front of a 100-mile-an-hour fastball is always trying to turn the game into something where it's this nice little cute thing they can put it in their little box and put it on the shelf and come back. We're not about that life. Trash talk is 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 the inherent part of what sports is. It's like saying I you go to a UFC fight and somebody that don't like fighting says, I think guys shouldn't be able to hit guys in the head. Well well, who cares what you think? You're not you're not in the culture. And if you're not of the culture, if you're not the, the putting putting time, energy, and effort into the culture, you don't understand what it is. So when people try to take trash talk out of the game, hmm. when people want to water it down, when it, safety is a different thing. But when it comes to the passion, the emotion, the the the, the, um, the, the exuberance that you have from playing the game, don't try to strip that from me. Like that's what we do. That's what athletes do. And it's time, it's sometimes the athletes got to tell the regular people, you come watch this game, right? 
you come spectate. Well, sometimes you got to spectate. Sit in the crowd and don't say nothing. Right? Like, you get the opportunity. And we're not begging you to come over here and play. We're not begging you to comment on our games. We doing what we do. It's, it's, it's the simple fact that it's, it, it, it's the emotion. It's down to the, to the biggest name. The, the comment and it's gladiators. It's two dudes and they will and they test uh, of how intestinal fortitude they got that they putting on the line. And for everybody else that they want to eliminate trash talk and, and I just feel like you should hand the ball to Barry Sanders like Barry Sanders did. That's the way I well you didn't play dog. You went to school. You didn't do nothing. You wrote papers. You never even been physical. You ran away from every dog in the alley. You ain't never fought nobody and you ain't passionate about nothing in life. That's why you at where you at today. You sit here and you're non passionate. You're never going nowhere. So let the passionate people do what they do. You stay in your lane. Be really safe. Safe, get your 401k, retire with no memories, and let's keep it pushing. <laughs> I do think trash talking, and I don't think it was the case here. In my opinion, there are some times where it goes over the line. It can go over the line. And yeah, it if it's personal. This was definitely not the case here. No, yeah, no. And it was the usual suspects that you would expect <laughs> that were critical of her. Uh, what's her name? The girl, Caitlin Clark, said she had no problem with no it. No problem with no, it. No, because she's a she's an athlete. She's a competitor. Trash talking is part of sports. I don't think we, I, I'm not going to have my third and fourth graders trash talk. I don't think that's necessary at that age. But if you're a professional athlete or a college athlete, in my mind, college athletes are professional athletes. Grown. As long as it doesn't it. go over the top. I like, did it in high school. You know, <laughs> way over the top. You can basically do whatever the hell you want. Start- That's part of it. It's not personal. Nah. It's in the moment. I'm fired up and I want to kick your ass. I mean, and that's as, it. Like I said, as long as it ain't a personal shot, like, 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 it, like, like, I, like I did. I, I pulled out a personal shot before, but as long as it's not a personal if, shot, like, it, it's you good. I always say this, too, and, and I had a problem with, with the land. Hey, look, look, me. Where I grew up from is you never say nothing against nobody's, nobody's personal character. Or you say something that that that's really over the top offensive because you might have to actually see them. Yeah, but, but no, for sure. Yeah. It, it, it is ironic that people who it is ironic that people who complain, people who complain that, that other people are always offended, got offended by this. Crazy, ridiculous. Crazy. We'll see you on overtime. Should the second place? We be, hope so. We might see you on overtime. Should the second place be invited to the White House? If not, we'll see you tomorrow. I won't be here though. Neither will Tyvis G. Will. We'll see you later. Bye. <laughs>